I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And this is Track Walking. Love how we've gotten to the point now where we can just stop mid-sense and what we're talking about before the show and just say, all right, we're going. Just intro, let's roll with it. Punch all the buttons. Yeah, we're so good at this. Move all the levers. We're well, so good at this. Well, you say we're good at it, but I didn't try the other... Uh, Oh my god! <laughs> words you didn't try the other words. I didn't Is that what try the other words? Um, the the disc, the not the disc, the drive, the mini. Oh yeah, that's the right. Mini that's drive right. on the uh, portable recorder at AMP. Well, we're not good at all of it. No, but the things we're good at, we're good at. That's sort of one of those life things, right? Like I'm good at all the stuff I'm good at. Most of the rest, but I'm pretty bad at it. And and I think really like as. As I age, like I'm getting better at knowing what I'm not good at and just not spending my time there. It's like, yeah. Yeah, if, I would. If, if I don't need to be, like if I know people who are good at it, it's like, hey, would, would you do this? You're better at it than I am. I'm not there yet. No? No, part of it is because because I don't have a job. Yeah, like you, I value my time. time. No, it's because I value my time at zero, right? And so, like, if you're paying somebody nothing... You really shouldn't, but all right. Yeah, whatever. But if you're you're paying somebody nothing and they get done with a job and you're like, I mean, it's not perfect, but it did cost me nothing. Right. That's how I roll through my entire life. Okay. (laughs) Which probably explains a lot. It's, you know, it's it's an insight into you. Yeah. So. Hi, Seth. Hey, Scott. Oh, we're in this weird in-between uh, time before One Lap starts, and yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, so if you guys don't like the One Lap of America and you're listening to this, you might want to put this podcast on mute for a few months because this podcast is going to be brought to you by the One Lap of America for many episodes. Uh, because we have this portable recorder and we do track walks every morning. So I assume that's going to be at least one podcast a day. Ideally. Yeah. Um, and there's so many people I want to talk to. Yeah. And I'll probably just throw the recorder in a car and like, let them talk <laughs> without me even in there. Just tell them like how it works and just let them talk for a little bit. See how it goes. Could Sounds be, deeply dangerous. Could be but. junk. Could be absolute junk. <laughs> uh, means I'm going to have to listen to them beforehand. Oh, Gross. you might have to edit things. Gross. You hate that. I, I sincerely do. Anyway. All right. So we filled up the first couple of minutes with nonsense. What do you want to talk about, Scott? Well, I want to talk about the serenity prayer. All right. Um, But when I... I want to hear from you because when I told you that this is what I wanted to talk about, you went and wikipedia the serenity prayer and you learned some things. Well, so in, in my world, the serenity, do we want to like recite the basic serenity prayer? So we like, like people know where we're at right now. Yeah. And you've, you've most likely heard this or at least a line of it. So it's God give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference is kind of the 
one of the basic forms of it. Um, and and my experience with that is basically like uh, you know cross stitched wall hangings, you know hanging on someone's bathroom wall, or uh, you know every old lady in the Midwest has it framed somewhere in their house. Uh, yeah. it, it's just like like it's a pervasive. It's everywhere thing so it's always been there my my Cross entire life for sure like with some flowers and things. yeah and and so i kind of always thought it was biblical sounds like and it. yeah in in full uh full disclosure i have not read large portions of the bible so i was like sure it could be in there i mean part yeah. of this stuff i missed there's a lot of things that people think are in the Bible that aren't. So I know this is weird. So, so I Wikipedia'd it. Yep, as one does. And yeah, because because I was like, if we talk about this, I should at least sort of know what's going on. Because it's 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 a popular culture thing. Like it exists in popular culture. People use it as a way to cope and get by. Um, turns out, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous uses it a lot. Yes, uh, which may explain why it's been around for most of my life. I was like, oh, wait. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. Um, but uh, it was, it was, it's attributed to a guy named Reinhold Niebuhr. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yep. And um, written uh, sometime 1932, 1933. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and didn't, didn't come into common use until uh, the 40s. Sometime. Yep, that's about right. Um, which is <laughs> kind of blows my mind because I always thought this was like, all right, this has got to be something that thousands like thousands of years you know, old, ancient if, if wisdom. Did, yeah, like if it didn't predate Jesus, we're talking like I don't know, fourteenth century or something. Been sure. around for a while. Sure. No. But no, it's like you know, Great Depression. Yeah. Yeah. You you know people older than this. <laughs> than, Bizarre. Than this prayer. Um. Yeah. So, I, and the reason why this came to mind for me as an actual topic is there's been a few episodes when we've talked about um what we have control over and what we don't, and um, just kind of putting your energies into different places. Um, kind of like we talked about like what we're good at and what we're not good at the this prayer kind of wants to be able to separate out the things that we have direct control over and i i want to preface all of this by saying i do not think that control is a bad word um i know in in some circles some some culture like being controlling is very um oppressive like to use control is a dangerous harmful thing but that is that's not what this is talking about nor this is this what i'm talking about so as we're talking about control it's simply the things that you can influence in and around you and if you think if we really look at it clearly and honestly there's not a whole lot that we actually can control (laughs) Literally us. our race cars, Scott. We control our race cars. 
sometimes, <laughs> I mean, again, like if we're being honest, there's only so many things that we actually can control. And then, so there's like our control circle, which is really small. You've got your influence circle, which is a little bit bigger. It's the things that you can influence, but you can't like determine what happens. And then you've got literally the rest of the universe outside of those two circles. So it gets very big very quickly. One of those circles is a lot bigger than the other two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and those two circles, again, if we're being honest, are real small anyway. So it's, like saying, it's like saying I have a, a cup of water and a bucket of water and, you know, the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> Dix, a Dixie cup of water. Yeah. Um. So, you know, th- this came up, I think, the first time when... Uh, we were talking about kind of going into a weekend with um, like wanting to place a certain position or better in a GLTC race. So say you show up to Midwest Festival, which is guaranteed to be packed at like 56 cars, I think it is, and saying, I want to get a top 20. And I mean, maybe some people can like, Babe Ruth pointing the outfield and like call that shot. Um, it's I'm not one of them. Uh, I'm not <laughs> one of them. I don't think. And and again, like that is claiming a goal that you have so little control over. Because that is a goal that encompasses so many other people's performance. And so many other things that are under other people's control that it's wishful thinking at best, I guess. I don't know. How would you take that? Well, the the conflict I always see with that sort of thing is is when you show up at a race, the, the thing is when you watch Formula One or something and, and everybody goes, every one of those guys believes they can win. Yes. But well, that means... If if in the right car, if in the right thing, yeah, like like something will happen today, and this way, I'm a good enough driver that I can win this race. That's that's why they do those things. Sure. But only like everybody but one guy is wrong. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and those are small fields. Like F1 is a small field. Yeah, and if you have 56 GLTC cars, I won't say that everybody who shows up for for 56 car GLTC race believes like I can win. Things go right, I can win. But like, like everybody but ten guys is wrong about being in the top ten. I mean, yeah. forty six people are are like, oh, that was. I mean, that was sad. Yeah, the the odds get worse as <laughs> as you want to place better. Right, and and so you're like like you say you're trying to you're trying to control or at least believe you have control over an outcome that you don't have control over necessarily. You can, you have control over your own little flappy arms and legs. Sure. At best, um, you sort of kind of have control over the car, assuming a whole bunch of factors, um, assuming it's set up the way you think it's set up and you've got the right tires. It doesn't rain during the middle of a race. Nobody bumps into you. All those, all those things where you're like, Oh, whoops didn't thought I had it like, like as Dom Toretto said, you didn't even have your car, right? Like that, that sort of thing. That's, 
that you've you've made that line so much deeper than I ever thought it was. <laughs> it's not your car to have. This metal came from stars billions of years ago. This exactly. isn't your car. Toretto's <laughs> a philosopher over here all of a sudden. And so, I don't even know where I was. I got distracted by myself. I know, that's, that's amazing. But so, like, like, you can control your flappy little meat arms, and you can sort of control the car, and... And you can't really control the people around you except for hoping that they're all going to be reasonable human beings. You definitely can't control the weather. Nope. Um, and so, like, how <laughs> how do you say, like, I hope this out... I mean, you can hope an outcome happens, but you don't have that much... You don't have as much control over the outcome as you think you do in a situation no. like that. No, absolutely not. And I think, to be honest, I would claim the weather is more predictable than people are <laughs> I mean, yeah that's true probably we should sort those spheres yeah <laughs> a little differently um but yeah so it's like when all right so let's talk about the things we can control so the surrendered surrendi prayer is grant me the oh my god yeah i know we're I, bad at this. I, I used to be yeah i used to do this uh so like, me, really really quick before we read it can i can i read you something that's on the wikipedia page yeah do read Read a, okay. something that's cited from something so, else. So this blew my mind. Okay. It's so about the, the original version of the, the prayer asks for courage first. Mm. And specifically for changing things that must be changed, not things that simply can be changed. So it said, Father, give us the courage to change with what must be altered, serenity to accept what cannot be helped, and the insight to know one from the other. Okay. And when you switch those things okay. around, it does make you think about it differently. One, one but, more uh, time. One more time. What? Read, read that okay. one more time. Okay. Father, give us the courage to change what must be altered, serenity to accept what cannot be helped, and the insight to know the one from the other. Yeah. Okay. I dig it. Kind of makes it less about race cars, I think. I know. It does. <laughs> I mean, the, the, it the really, whole, like, I mean, unless you're, unless you're like, changed. oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> unless you're like, look, I can, like, I can change the alignment. I need to make sure the alignment's okay. Sure. And you have to have the courage to pull out the strings, <laughs> change the, the alignment. Get the toe plates. Man, it's, I hope, I hope people understand, like, we're not doing this tongue in cheek, like we're taking it seriously, but it, I think it could come across that we're taking the serenity prayer really not seriously. That's not what's happening, but it's, we're looking at it from a different angle. That's all I'm saying here. Yeah, no, I and, and I do think it's seriously. With, with motorcycles, you know, we, we've we showed up. Um, I remember developing uh, Sonia's bike, and we showed up, and she'd be like, this thing is wrong. And I said, okay, we don't have other parts. So... Like, I, I understand that it's wrong. It's not something that can be fixed today. And so you need to learn as a motorcyclist, two things. One, recognizing, I, I did recognize that this, this thing is wrong. And that's an important thing to realize. Like, I can yep. identify, you know, like main jet's too rich. I don't have a smaller main jet today. So I have to learn to ride around it to the best of my ability as a motorcycle racer um, and adapt to that. 
Um, and those, those sorts of things are, are really important because otherwise you spend, we had, we had one of the kids ride with us one time and he, he would do like, and the, the jetting was off my fault. Like we were developing the bike, but, but during a race, he rode like seven laps and he came in and said, Oh, this doesn't work. Blah, blah, blah. And we're like, cool. You're sitting still in the pits, go back out and ride. And he rode for a while and he did this and, and you know, him complaining about it and him trying to just slam the throttle open and choking the bike and doing all this wasn't doing what needed to be done, which was accumulate as many laps as you can in the time allowed. And so he focused on the thing that couldn't be fixed rather than the thing that he really did have control over, which was going out, riding, accumulating laps, and, you know, we'll make it better later. Um, so like, like this, this mindset that the serenity prayer puts you in actually is super important, um, on like on race day, it is really, really important to, to recognize those things that, that you simply, even though you can recognize they're wrong, you, you do not have control over changing them either because you don't have the parts, you don't have the ability to do, you know, in, in alignment that really will fix that thing. Um, or time, you know, you. Or, or time. Yeah. Like if we had all afternoon, we could, we could get the tow plates out and we could fix it and we don't. And so you're going to have to drive the car how it is, um, have it, you know, the car set up for dry other than changing clickers on the shocks and changing tires. We don't have time to change anything else on the car. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it has always struck me that this, uh, this prayer has four, Three certainly basic parts that are being asked for. So, um, acceptance of things that we can't change. So, basically just not pissing in the wind, no pearls before swine, however you want to say it. It's just accepting that there are things that the driver next to you, you do not get to determine what they do. You can limit their choices, but you don't get to ultimately decide what they do. Um, the second would be uh, courage to change the things we can control. And then third would be wisdom or discernment to know the difference. Which I think those are all three separate skills, three separate things. Um, that are certainly interrelated because you can, you can know the things that you can change and you do them and you can refuse to accept the things that you can't change and try to anyway and expel an enormous amount of time, energy, stress, and anxiety trying to change these things and basically ignoring uh, any wisdom or any discernment to know that there's a difference between the two. Um, Seth just Seth just x down on me. Please hold. So I guess the question then is: if there are these three parts, um, courage to change the things we can, acceptance of the things we can't, and the ability to know which one is which what have you i think the easiest one to kind of 
recognize is as you continue on is what you can't control. So what's something that you've learned you can't control that you used to maybe think that you could? In reference to racing or just like holistically? Sure. <laughs> if you've got one <laughs> well, for okay. each, that'd be cool. But In reference to racing and holistically, I think I used to think I had more influence over my kids and how they would react to a situation. And since I race with my kid, that is, is very topical. Um, you would you would think that, you know, the whole parenting, like I will, I've been a good enough parent uh, that I, that my kids can keep their, their crap together. And uh, I have the tools necessary to convince my kids to keep their crap together. And so then when you're racing, not all the time people keep their crap together. And when it's your own kid, you're like, oh, people are, I feel like people are judging me because my kid's losing their shit. Make good choices. Yeah, as they as they ride around um, and and all that stuff and and I think when it's when it's not somebody that you're in a close relationship with, whether it's you know like a partner or a kid or something like that, you're just like, huh, that guy sort of lost their mind. That's weird. Um, but you you always feel I always feel a little bit like like I should have more control over this situation because of my relationship with this person. Um, because I and, know them have a long standing intimate relationship that I should be able to help dictate what happens here. Yeah. I should be able to calm them down or hype them up or, or, or whatever is necessary to, to get them in a more, useful frame of mind um and i don't know that i have that ability anymore with a person that that i'm married to or my wife gave birth to than just like a random person at the racetrack um right yeah um so that's that's been a it's been an interesting realization to me um that, that I don't really have any more ability to calm my kid down than I do anybody else I'm racing with. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's, that's been weird. I, yeah. I think my life one is something along those lines is, you know, I can know somebody who in theory, like has very similar goals to mine. Like we theoretically want the same thing and yet go about it in totally different ways um and it used to just drive me absolutely nuts and it's like you know i but slowly it's and i would spend so many hours like being frustrated and pissed off and you know why can't they just do it how i want to then things would or like how i do then things would just be so much simpler for me and it's literally pissing in the wind <laughs> Like it just <laughs> yeah. doesn't work like that. I mean, you can you can keep peeing, um, hoping you're just gonna keep getting wetter and grosser. To continue yeah, the, the whole, illustration, <laughs> yelling at someone you're doing it wrong. Yeah, isn't as productive as you think it is. Just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. 
Yeah, um, that doesn't work. Yelling at someone to calm down works less good than it feels like. Like that's something it feels like it should work, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really doesn't. No. Especially if you have like if you ever encounter a little kid who's just like losing their minds, yeah, try yelling, <laughs> calm down at them. See how that works out for you. But we're all little kids. Yeah, for sure we are. I think my racing one is really just like my own abilities has has been like realizing like as much as I want to be like a podium level finisher and everything like this like I'm just I'm not at least right now like I'm just not and so like I would get so frustrated like whenever I'd get past or like I'd make a mistake or something like that and I just you know man but they passed me and I finished here and you know constantly like wanting to compare myself and comparison's a hell of a drug man (laughs) it is Freaking sucks. But there's one of those people that you actually get to, like, do something about. Like, if if I want to be a better driver, there are things I can do to become a better driver. Uh, During a race, like, I can make better decisions if I work and train at it. Uh, Reflexes, strength. Uh, vision, uh, decision making, like all this stuff, th- those are things like I've learned that I can work on. And it's like if I can complain all I want to, but it's like if I actually want something to change, like I have to do something about it. And that can kind of suck sometimes too. <laughs> because, yeah. And because you realize flip- that you're not that, that what you want to be you are lacking in some way. And my flip side for that is there, there's been more than a few times motorcycle racing where I'm like, hey, I'm going to fill the grid. Like, it's going to be out there. There's seven of us racing. I'm going to get yeah. fifth, whatever. And and then I, I find myself racing for a podium position um, and probably could have been winning if I hadn't just been like, eh, you know, I'm going to be whatever. So, so I don't give myself the credit about my own, my own abilities. And I think Mm -hmm. it's a a protection thing. Like if you go into it thinking you're going to be mid pack and you finish mid pack, you don't feel bad about yourself. Um, and so I think I, I apply that protection thing to myself rather than doing what you're saying, which is like, like focusing on the abilities that I have and the things that I can change um, I give up on myself before I've started because it's emotionally easier to do that than to than to try to believe you're going to win and then not even come close. Yeah, and I remember you you told a story about what was it track in high school or something like that? Oh God, have I told track in high school stories about getting lapped <laughs> by yeah. a girl? I, well, <laughs> I mean, now you did, but. And, it's, and there's nothing wrong with that, but when you're no. in seventh grade, it feels bad <laughs> because of all the stereotypes that run around. Right? Yeah. No, I get it. No, it's. No, I just remember like you just you were out doing your sports stuff, and you know your parents just. I uh, I wouldn't say like didn't support you, but like 
Yeah, if you're hampered, bad, maybe ha- you should just do something else. Right. Hampered yeah. expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a hot mess. Yeah, hot mess. Um so yeah, I mean there I think I think that'd be an interesting thing to look at and I think probably in competitive motorsports we're going to find more people who think they can control more than they think they can or that they actually can rather but i think at the same time like if you look at just people in general i think you'll you'll find people who either self-actualize less you know take responsibility for fewer things that they can control versus those who take control of more things that that they actually can control which kind of brings us to the third part is the wisdom or discernment to know one from the other. We're bad at that. Yeah. We're so bad at that, that we have someone on the radio in our helmet to help us know that. <laughs> That's that was, yeah, I, I do remember specific races that Becky has come over. Like I've made a mistake uh, and I went off or um, we picked the wrong tires. Like we went out on our wet and like there was not a drop drop in sight or vice versa or something like that. And yeah, I, I think this past season I got a lot better, but in seasons prior I'd get frustrated and like fed up, but just wanted to bitch and complain about everything. And Becky would say, you know, well, you know, there's nothing you can do about it now except drive. Like, just (laughs) drive the car to the best of your ability right now. Like, you can't get out and do an alignment. I mean, if you want to pull off track, like, we could start the alignment and you're done for the race. You know, we can't really change tire pressures because we don't have that military-grade hardware where you can actually do that on the fly. Um, yeah, there's no active arrow, so I can't change the angle of the wing, you know, there's not, none of that. You, I can shift. I have control over the three pedals, steering wheel, and my decisions like this. That's it. Like that's it. So bad at knowing that in the moment, you still need somebody to tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, I I think everybody does, really. Right. But that that's why the serenity prayer is important, right? Because you read it like like whenever I read it, you know, like uh walking into someone else's bathroom and being like that's weird to put above the toilet, but whatever. Um <laughs> and you and you read it and like I vacillate between it being like deeply profound and being like der. Right. Sure. You know, the, the, those are my two reactions to it yeah. whenever I come across it in real life. And and a lot of that depends on where I am in my own life, whether that's a, a deeply profound thing or whether it's just like the most obvious thing in the world, which is probably why uh, AA uses it, because like everybody comes in like at a at a low point in their life where they've screwed something up and they need to be fixed. And so they're like they, they latch on to something that that can be deeply profound and then when your life you know when you do eventually get your life on track and you're doing well you can kind of be like oh duh that's just how things go yeah 
Um, and so it can be both of those things for 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 anybody. And at the um, beginning, it has to be like a minute to minute thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, the bracing it has to be a minute to minute thing, but True. not to not to discount the the struggle of of uh, you know substance abuse, but right. nope, you're right. You're that, right. That's not what we do here. We we do racing. So. Yep. Mostly. Yeah. We could talk about addiction in another podcast. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. I got stories. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's, I think kind of in the learning, like the whole wisdom part, I think that has to come from making mistakes thinking that oh i can def i definitely know what's going to happen here because i have control over everything and then you realize you don't somehow and then slowly like maybe i can't do everything or on the flip side you know you take a test that you didn't study for and you really want to do well but you did nothing to prepare and then all of a sudden it's like (laughs) I didn't do well. Well, I guess I could have, I don't know, like maybe studied or like prepared in the smallest way possible. It's kind of my fault. Yeah. It's like I kind of screwed the pooch there. (laughs) But I think you have to find yourself like on the, the other side and kind of have that rearward visibility somehow that says... Oh, I I messed that. I either over or underestimated what I have the cap- capacity of actually doing here. So this would be traditionally be like mm, the half-ish way point of a one-hour show, yeah? Oh, shit, I'm about ready to wrap up, but go for it. Yeah, I know. That's why, like, you had that look in your eyes. So if you, if you Seth, scroll down Seth on the Seth is also, page, like, leaning forward into the camera. I know. Right I'm, I've been waiting for this all day. If you scroll down on the Wikipedia page, there's another verse. Okay. Because because when Reinhold yeah. published stuff stuff later on, there was another verse. Yes. And this this gets kind of Jesus-y, which I know is probably not a problem for you. Um, so any of our audience that are like, ah, Jesus-y stuff. gets a little Jesus-y, but there's some stuff going on here. There's still race cars in here. Let's be honest. There, as a matter of fact, there may be more race cars in here. Okay. Okay. So second verse. It's been a hot minute since I've heard this. So. I know. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right, I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life reasonably. and supremely happy with you forever in the next. There's so much going on there that relates to race cars. I know. I wanted which I'm to sure like, would make Reinhold super happy. I, I wanted to like boil that down into one sentence, but I would totally be doing Niebuhr a dis- disservice if I did. And all of my uh, professors would be very, very disappointed in me. Yeah. How many, prof- how many ex professors listen to this show? <laughs> None that I know of. Thank God. <laughs> I'm sure I would have gotten a message by now if I had. Um, yeah, the the Venn diagram of 
seminary grads and race car driving and podcast listeners is me if we're being totally honest like i am the intersection and that's it. i want i want someone else to show up now just to be like <laughs> no you're wrong about that too <laughs> find that person find them okay. and bring them here so when we go into it the the thing when i when i read this um it did the living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Yeah. Like those three sentences are the whole racing is hard yes. thing. Yes. Um, racing is hard and you have to find joy in those moments, in those days associated with racing being hard. If you can't enjoy the fact that racing is hard, you are not going to enjoy racing. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the ratio of how much you do to prep your car versus amount of time that you get to drive, let alone like drive with and feeling good about it. Right. Um, I mean, most of our time like is spent wrenching, prepping, getting frustrated and driving poorly or below how we want to be driving. When I used to autocross a lot, um, I used to tell new students, I was, they would be like, how do you, like, how do you do it perfectly? Like, how do you do that? And I was like, if, if I do one guru me right now, how do you do that? Perfect. (laughs) And I said, full honesty, if I do one corner, on this course of like 28 corners, if I do one corner well per run, I will be happy today. Um, because I had gotten to that that point in in doing anything where you realize you do it badly. Like you you learn to do it well enough that you know that you're bad at it. And so like I could, like my mistakes were glaring every time I did something. And so like those you know, whatever autocross is like an eight hour day, three to four runs. And I would, if I had a good day, have three brief moments, those corners that lasted two seconds. Yep. So maybe in an eight hour day, I would have six seconds that I felt that I did a good job during that day. And I had to take all of my joy. I mean, like if, if my joy was going to be only in my success, I would have six seconds of joy in the whole day. Sure. That would suck. I mean, that would suck more than autocross usually kind of sucks standing in a parking lot for eight hours to get three runs. Um, and this, this for me, like in the other weird areas of my life being water skiing and carpentry, like the better, and I've learned this kind of watching other people over the years too, like the better you get at water skiing and or carpentry separately, like not doing them at the same time. Um, essentially, the better you get, the better you are at making smaller mistakes or being able to correct the mistakes that you make. So the best water skiers in the world still make mistakes. They're just better at minimizing them and correcting them when they do because they've made that same mistake or mistakes like it so many times. They know how to see it coming make a correction and move on same in carpentry like yes your skills get better but you still make mistakes so how do you 
correct it rather than like having to scrap and burn down the whole thing and just do maybe another little piece of trim here which will cover that mistake and it'll look great in the end like there's never a time when you get to not make mistakes I talked to a pro racer once, um, like asked him flat out. I said, how, how long does it take you until you feel like you're doing the things you mean to like on a track, new track. And he said, he said a track that I've studied. So I come into it, not blind, but a track that I kind of know what's going on. He said, 10 laps he said in 10 laps, I'm dealing with like a foot, like as, as far as car placement. He said, and then the entire rest of the time I'm playing with those individual feet, like feet for breaking, feet for turning. He said, you know, I I, I never am, am moving things more than that because I he said that's where all of the speed is. He said, if you're if you have to make like big, huge changes, he said, you are not driving like pro racers drive. The end. He said, Don't mean to make anybody feel bad about that. But that that was his opinion anyway. And I thought wow i'm bad at driving i was about to say did you say well you made me feel bad so screw you <laughs> i think by that point in the weekend when we had been it was a learning environment and and by that point he he pretty much knew i was bad at driving by that point so well, again know what you're good at know what you're not <laughs> yeah so okay those are the first three lines yeah. um next three lines taking as jesus did the sinful world as it is not as i would have it yeah and that's the God. That's control again. Yep. You know, it's. I used to love to get mad at traffic. You know, like on the highway and stuff. Like God, yep. it's dumb people. Just freaking move. Like you're making. But again, like that's so much stress and so much energy for. So like no results. I mean, if you honk and you get mad, like it's not going to get you anywhere faster it may make you like feel better in the moment that you conquered something but it's like it's not going to get you there faster no yeah no amount of screaming in your car is going to make the person in front of you get off their phone i mean if it makes you feel better i, I okay i guess but but does it but does it really think, no i don't think it does putting on some better yeah. music and just like here we go. All right. <laughs> yeah. I used to listen when I commuted way, way back in the day. I, I purposely would listen to, uh, only listen to NPR on my afternoon commute because it had to be something that was like relaxing to the point of like boring so that that would help like in general, like bring my, bring me way down. And it's, it was sort of like the opposite of hype music. Yeah, um, it was like D hype music. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, thank God I don't commute. So the the last last four lines, mm-hmm. second second verse, trusting that you will make all things right, I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life, and that. supremely happy with you forever in the next. I'd love to know what the original German is because German's a crazy cool language. <laughs> But the English translation into reasonably happy makes me laugh every time. I mean, he was he was an American theologian, though. 
Like, I don't know that English was necessarily his first language, but he okay. was. Yeah. I, I assume. I mean, the dude was born in, in 1892 and he wrote this in the 50s. So yeah. I assume by that point he was. I mean, he knew what he was. He knew what he was trying to say. Yeah. Maybe. It's reasonably. <laughs> like, not profoundly, happy. not fully. He's like, no, that's you, you don't get that ever, ever. You don't get to be fully happy. <laughs> no, not until you die. Re- maybe reasonably, yeah, yeah. With, with, with some work, effort for sure. Reasonably happy is attainable for you. Congratulations. If I work at this super, super hard, I may not hate myself as a driver. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Be reasonably satisfied with the performance. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) That's your your Mount Everest right there is reasonably happy. Like that's that's your peak. That's a a 10 out of 10. So that I can be reasonably happy so that I can be supremely happy with racing in general. Like I can... I can be like meh about myself, but love racing. Sure. Yeah. And get on board. And and finding the finding the ability to do that, I think, is really important because most of us come into racing in cars with the enthusiasm of like a seven year old, right? Like I love cars. So excited. Let me tell you about all my cars and the things I've done to my cars and things I want to do with my cars. Cars are the best. Do you like cars? We can be friends if you like cars. What's your favorite car? (laughs) Yeah. And that's how we come into it. Like, like everyone who starts autocrossing and tracking and all that stuff, like they have that level of enthusiasm. Like they love this thing. Well, I think that's part of the sense of contribution to something and realization that you are a part of something, not the whole thing. Like if you are reasonably happy, but you can be like supremely happy with something larger than yourself, like a racing event or something like that. I mean, it's part of why I repeat all the time is a team sport. Right. Racing is. It's like if you can be reasonably happy with what you did, but like collectively, like the performance of everyone being reasonably happy with what they did, like couldn't can be awesome, can be much more than one experience. If it's done well, if we've got 56 cars starting on grid at Gingerman, mm-hmm. we've got 55 losers. We can still have everybody be like, like everybody yes. can be happy with that. Right. Yeah. It doesn't like, like 55 losers doesn't mean 55 sad people and one super happy guy. Right. Um, if, if we do it well, we can be like meh with ourselves, but happy with the group. Yeah. I mean, again, and I think that, some of my happiest races have been when I've lost a battle. Yeah. So, there's that. Yeah, been there, done that. Got beat badly by an eight-year-old one time. And uh, it's a great battle. He had no idea I was trying to beat him. So fun. (laughs) We are at Track Walking Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Track Walking Podcast. No, Track Walking Chats is the Facebook group. Um yeah, rate us, review us. I think it's been a while since I've seen any new ratings and reviews. So, you know, 
maybe you do that. If Scott lives off that acceptance. Man, I really don't look very often. And not to mention like Anchor doesn't really like give those all to me. So they're somewhere back there. But it helps people find the show. And we we like to be found. We are looking for that one theologian race car driver podcast guy. <laughs> that isn't Scott. There's that, gotta be another one out that there. That is not Scott Robertson. Yeah. And uh props if they uh cross paths with me at some point, which man, that'd be a tiny, tiny circle of people. Weird, bizarre people. So but uh, you know, we'll be around. And uh, prepare yourself for an onslaught of One Lap of America content because it's coming. God help you all. Yeah. I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>